You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Spring has sprung and football has returned. Spring practices popping up all across our country, just like those April showers bringing May flowers. Well, March is when we start marching toward the football season, believe it or not. More than a couple dozen spring practices already underway this week and many more to come as we count down the days until next season by looking at spring practices at 133 FBS programs here over the next couple of months. Hello, it is Wednesday, March 8th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. I'm Brennan Marcello. Well, today we're going to take a look at our burning questions in the Big Ten as a handful of teams there begin spring practices this week and then really begin to ramp things up toward the middle of March. We'll continue to preview the Power Five throughout this spring with some big burning questions of some of the big programs and some of the programs that aren't necessarily always in the mainstream, but deserve a lot of attention because of these big questions that could be answered this spring. You know, a lot of spring practices are just utilized as a time to almost like uh, to get workouts in and allow these players to prove themselves. They don't really figure out a depth chart. They just kind of want to test and see things. But at some programs, they're legitimately fighting for jobs and naming starters right after spring practices because they've got a lot more to do going into preseason camp at other spots on the field. So we look at the Big Ten today, and I'm only going to mention a handful of teams because these are the most interesting storylines, at least in my eyes. And to get things started, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm just going to go straight to Iowa. We all know the craziness that's been going on there for really the better part of a decade. We all know they can't play offense at Iowa. It's just the way it is. They love to play complimentary football. They punt to win, and they are not afraid to say that in the Brian Ferentz camp there. And that's not a problem as long as you're winning. There's been a lot of off-the-field issues there around Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator there, his father, the legendary coach Kirk Ferentz, and of course, athletics director Gary Barta. There's been lawsuits that have been gone against the, the university. There's even state legislators and others that have gone against the university and the handling of some situations there. It's a mess. And this past season, yes, they did win games, but it was ugly. It was the worst offensive output we've seen at Iowa since 1978. They're averaging less than 252 yards a game in 1978. We're talking 70s ball in a in an era when college football is on its like ninth iteration of evolution since the 80s. And yet Iowa is still stuck there, seemingly, on offense. But there is reason for hope, believe it or not, because former Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara and their all-star tight end Eric All, who's going to be an NFL star at some point, are on campus now participating in practices at Iowa. Does this mean the offense is going to look completely different? No. 
Brian Ferentz is going to stick with what they do. They will change things up, but they are more talented now at quarterback. And I would say arguably a tight end, though they've had a lot of great tight ends come through there at Iowa. Big question for them is trying to figure out what's going to happen at receiver because they lost a few guys there. But again, they don't usually utilize those receivers to their full extent. Just look a year ago when Charlie Jones exited the program and went to Purdue and outproduced every single receiver on Iowa's roster with more touchdown catches than the entire team last season. And he was phenomenal and he blossomed there at Purdue. But Iowa's got something here with Cade McNamara. Playoff quarterback. Got them there before he got benched. He's still a very good quarterback. And of course, the storyline is going to be, can Iowa score more than 25 points per game next season? Because that's the scoring average the team has to reach for Brian Ferentz to keep his job as offensive coordinator. Again, just a mess there and a clause in his contract that just absolutely makes no sense. If you have no confidence in the guy, why aren't you just firing him right away? A lot of weird issues there. The Ferentz family is royalty there. They're almost untouchable, it seems like. And Gary Bart is in on it as well. This will not be a smooth divorce at some point for Iowa. Is it this year that that all happens after 20 years of the Kirk Ferentz era? Maybe not. But at some point in the future, in the next several years, whenever it happens, this isn't going to end on a very positive note. That's just my prediction. But here they are questioning whether what's going to happen with that offense. All right, moving forward. Maryland, very interesting team. They've always kind of, kind of been on that cusp of will they compete, will they not compete? Kind of an eight-win team for its ceiling, but you always see those those spurts of magic. Maybe a nine-win team, maybe a 10-win team. And this past year, we saw an eight-win team that had some close calls, but also got blown out in a couple of games. You're just like, what's happening there? And Maryland, they got issues in the trenches. They got to replace several starters along that offensive line. In fact, four of the five starters along the offensive line are gone. They were expecting to only have to replace three, but a fourth player entered the transfer portal late in the process back in February. So they enter practices trying to figure out what exactly they're going to do up there. And so what did they do? They went and got three transfers out of the transfer portal, and none of them other than LSU offensive tackle Marcus Dumerville really blows the doors off of anything. The other additions were as a transfer from Frostburg State, which is right there in Maryland, but is a school that was just finishing its transfer from Division Three to Division II football. But Gottlieb Adeze, I'm sorry for mispronouncing his name, was an All-American. And usually, as we've seen with FCS guys going to D1, those guys translate very well. Look at Jared Verse and what he did at Florida State his first year there, and now he's an All-American candidate going into this season at Florida State on the defensive side of the ball. So Maryland, got to figure out the trenches, and that's not a good thing to have happening when you're at this late in the Mike Loxley era there, and you're trying to get over that hump. But again, we'll see. I mean, the schedule is always kind of up and down for them, and they've got to replace offensive corner Dan Enos, which I don't think is going to be a big issue for them because they were able to go out and, for that matter, really just kind of get the type of coordinators they want in there that are developers. They got Kevin Sumlin in, the former Texas A&M and Arizona head coach, and then Josh Gaddis, who won the Brills Award just over a year ago at Michigan before he went to Miami and was fired only after one year on Mario Cristobal's staff. Staying with the M's, we go with Michigan. 
The Wolverines, they are loaded once again everywhere, but they do have one spot up for grabs right now that is really intriguing, that will not get a lot of attention nationally, but I'm telling you, you need to keep eyes on this and see what happens this spring because it's going to tell a lot about where this defense is going into next season. Everybody wants to talk about the pass rush there, right? They lose a couple of guys, but here's the thing. Those guys didn't play up to their expectation level last season as pass rushers, and they've got really good veteran guys behind them ready to come in. I think they're going to be fine there, but there's one cornerback spot in that secondary that is wide open. You already have Will Johnson, who many think is going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft next year, manning one spot, but who's going to be the guy on the opposite side of him? Several players will go up for that spot, but interestingly, here early in spring practices at Michigan, which only been going on for about a week as we record this, is a receiver turn defensive back, Amorian Walker, someone to keep an eye on. He's leading the pack. That's a bit surprising, but it's also exciting. And as our Zach Shaw said at Inside Michigan there, he told me that they only have a combined 184 snaps in that cornerback's room. And nearly all those players played in garbage time. So there's a lot to really work on there. And Walker did play some defense last season. He is a receiver, but he did play some defense last year, but it was only six snaps. Keep an eye on that. Michigan on a roll, 25-3 and three the last two seasons, back-to-back college football playoffs berths. That is going to be a big spot to watch for them going forward. And then just go down the road 30 minutes to Michigan State. East Lansing has a quarterback problem and maybe a quarterback race that might be decided quickly in spring practices. Veteran Peyton Thorne, his second year as starter last season, an absolute disappointment. You got to wonder if he was very good in his first full season as starter there back in 2021 because of Kenneth Walker III, the Heisman Trophy candidate running back who just absolutely blew the doors off of everybody there in East Lansing. And remember, had that fantastic rally to lead Michigan State in a victory against rival Michigan there just two years ago. Well, he's gone, and then they go from a double-digit win season to a losing season this past year. And Peyton Thorne really struggled. Struggled on first downs and second downs. Put them in bad spots in the early downs to where on third downs, they became a very predictable offense. So it is a quarterback competition, believe it or not. Peyton Thorne has got to fight to keep his job. And the challenger is a relative newcomer who's only been on campus for a year. And that's Caton Hauser, a former four-star prospect who was a fantastic standout at the Elite 11 just over a year ago when he scored a 48 out of 50, which was the best mark in the competition and throwing competition there, the Elite 11, just a year and a half ago. So head-to-head battle coming up between veteran and flashy newcomer, and this is big. Mel Tucker won 11 games two years ago, but then fell back, had a losing season. He's got that fat contract. He's not going anywhere, but you need to show some progress this year, and they're betting that they got to maybe make a change there at quarterback. Interesting developments there in East Lansing. How about Nebraska? They're kind of been the story of the offseason because I think a lot of us just want to sit back and reminisce about the old days in college football and Nebraska and whether they're going to be able to come back to that level. I don't think they're ever going to be a program that competes for national championships like we saw back in the 90s, the early 90s. But this is a program that should be able to contend in the Big Ten every Every few years, right? Well, they haven't been able to do that since they moved from the Big 12 to the Big 10 a decade ago. 
But man, I love this hire with Matt Rule, the former Baylor and Temple head coach who had a failed stint there in the NFL coaching the Carolina Panthers. This is a guy who loves length and he loves speed. And I found it interesting before they opened spring practices in Nebraska, he brought that up several more times in interviews talking about how, of course, they track their players with GPS. And no, this isn't some spy stuff, but it might like, sound like. But these guys are all about agility, range of motion, change of direction. And he came in, and in those early mat drills, those off-season workouts, they had a long way to go, especially with their flexibility and range of motion, he said. They got through those mat drills, and then to start spring practices, he said, hey, this is a pretty fast team. And that's a big, big thing to me in Matt Rule's eyes. If he says you're a fast team, that's great news because Matt Rule, that's what he built his teams at Baylor particularly around was speed. He was all about getting guys, developing them, and being able to project them. He wanted speed. He wanted length. He wanted athleticism. Guys that are a little bit longer and rangier, had greater sense of range of emotion. He was willing to take a risk on those guys that he could develop into that, even if they had lower star ratings and everything. And he goes to Nebraska where arguably he can get better talent there than he did at Baylor. I'll say it right now. And he already is right now on the recruiting trail, in the classes he signed, in the transfer portal, and also in the upcoming classes in 2024 and 2025. So watch out for that. I know everybody wants to talk about the quarterback competition, the other competitions going on across there. Georgia Tech transfer quarterback Jeff Sims is on campus. He's going up against former Florida State quarterback Chuba Purdy. He's going up against Casey Thompson, uh, the former Texas quarterback. But let's pay attention, read between the lines whenever they're talking about team speed there and how they're coming along with that. Keep an eye on what Matt Rule has to say about that later this spring. Much more on the Big Ten this spring and our spring preview coming up after this. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. As good as C.J. Stroud was in his career at Ohio State, I still don't think he gets enough credit for what he did there. And look no further than what he did in that playoff semifinal game against Georgia. A game that was back and forth. They built a lead, came back, had a chance there with the field goal that was missed as the clock struck zero on New Year's Eve at midnight and the ball dropped in New York City and Atlanta. 
the peach dropped, smashing Ohio State's national championship hopes. But C.J. Stroud was marvelous in that game, and he was criticized quite a bit last season for not being a guy that was willing to put his head down and get what he had to get to win games. People saw him as a finesse quarterback, someone who wasn't really willing to take the hits and deliver big plays when he had to. And boy, he proved everybody wrong in that playoff game. He was tucking and running. He was picking up the hard yards. He was making fantastic throws, showing us why he was a two-time Heisman Trophy finalist. But now he's gone to the NFL. And now Ryan Day, who loves to say he develops quarterbacks straight from high school over a year or two time, he's dealing with a quarterback battle. And what's this going to look like? Well, Ryan Day says, I want to be able to name a starter at the end of spring practices. But history shows he won't do that. He's never done that. The previous two quarterback battles he had, he announced the starter 12 days before the season opener back in 2019 and 2021. So it's Kyle McCord against Devin Brown. Kyle McCord, you saw a little bit last season in relief of C.J. Stroud. And the year before, back in 2021, he started and replaced C.J. Stroud, who was injured at the time, against Akron. He threw for 319 yards and a couple touchdowns, some most yardage through the air in a first-time start for a quarterback in Ohio State history. Listen, him and Devin Brown are tremendously talented. They're former blue-chip prospects. That's what Ohio State gets. And they inherit, arguably, I would say it is, the best receiving room in the entire country. Nearly all of their production from last season in the passing game, as far as receivers, returns. Marvin Harrison Jr. leads that group. Julian Fleming's going to be coming back. But there's some injuries there. They're healing. And these quarterbacks got to prove themselves by working with some of the backups and the newcomers on this offense. And I think it's a good test for them because they're going to show their own talent and being able to throw guys open and work well with everybody from starters to backups in this offense. And so I think that in my eyes, Ryan Day should have enough tape and in-person experience and watching those guys on the field to make a decision as to who his quarterback should be between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. And Devin Brown is someone who's a little bit different from Kyle McCord and is more mobile than the two. And after only seeing a handful of snaps last season, they're going to get to see him quite a bit here in the spring. I can't wait to hear the daily reports from our staff at Bucknuts on the 24-7 Sports Network as this battle goes through the spring. And Penn State, you talk about a team that always seems to hit their head on the glass ceiling. That That's the team to me in the Big Ten. And as difficult as it is to become a program that wins seven or eight games and to maybe win 10, I argue it's more difficult to go from a 10-win team to becoming a championship team in the Big Ten or in the SEC. Look at, say, a Tennessee this past year in the SEC. Can they bust through, not only be consistent as a 10-win team, but bust through and be a 12- or 13-win team and win a championship? That's difficult to do when you're playing in one of the top two conferences. And Penn State, under James Franklin, has found that out. Very difficult to win a Big Ten championship there. And now they enter an era here without Sean Clifford. And it's exciting. Yes, Drew Aller comes in as a former five-star quarterback The fans have been pleading and wishing he'd be the starter. Well, now he is. But the question for Penn State is, is is he a leader? And I know that sounds cliche and silly or a verbal leader and all this type of stuff. What you need is someone who can rally the team, rally the guys, 
to believe in them, number one, but also when there are some tough moments in games or even in practices and workouts, when you're out on the field in, in June and these volunteer workouts with your teammates, you're about to pass out, you're tired, but you know deep down in your heart you can go an extra 12 seconds to get that extra three yards in a drill or something like that. you got to be the guy to show them that, not to say it, but go show them that so others follow you. That's what a leader is. That's what a leader does. They do these things behind closed doors you guys don't even hear about. Does Drew have that in him? Because they lost a trio of guys to the NFL this past year. Juice Scruggs, Sean Clifford, of course, that were leaders for them. Drew has got to be that guy everybody turns to. And he's going to be the most hyped quarterback there since Christian Hackenberg was there back in the early 2010s. A lot to live up to. But he's got to be a leader first before we start talking about whether they can actually break through that glass ceiling and contend for a Big Ten championship. Rutgers. Let's talk Rutgers. Why not? Hey, my producer Lance Glenn's going to really love this segment. Big Rutgers fan. Hey, Lance. Listen, I, I think the worst is behind Rutgers under Greg Schiano. The last two seasons have been atrocious, especially last year for that offense. They were the worst team in the FBS against teams with winning records. They only scored an average of 7.8 points per game in those games. Atrocious. Atrocious. Gavin Wimsat is the quarterback. He's a dual threat guy. They should get more out of him. He should have more production. He should not have more interceptions than touchdown throws as he did last year. I like where they're going. I like the pieces they've been building there with the top 50 recruiting classes under Greg Schiano. It's time to put it together now. It's time to show improvement. This is an offense that with improvement should be in the 70s or 60s, all right, offensively in the national rankings. Doesn't sound great, but man, would that be night and day difference from what we've seen the last two years. My last team, my last big question is with Wisconsin. It's not about that offense. Luke Fickle comes in from Cincinnati. He has a plan. They're going to the air raid. He brings in Phil Longo, the former offensive coordinator at North Carolina, who's had two amazing quarterbacks there in recent history. Now he goes to Wisconsin where they're trying to revamp that offense and revamp things. But that's not my big question this spring. No. My big question is, will a schematic change on defense hurt or help the Badgers? Wisconsin's had the best defense there in college football consistently since 2013. This is a program that finishes number one or in the top 10 at least every single year in total defense. Jim Leonard is out as defensive coordinator. They made a change. They decided to go with Mike Tressel there, despite Jim having number one defenses in 2017 and 2021, and comes with it a schematic change. They had a 3-4 defensive alignment, typical we usually see there at Wisconsin. Well, Mike Tressel ran a 3-3-5 at Cincinnati, and they had some really, really good defenses there. In that playoff year, they were in the top five. But the question is, is what is this defense going to look like? And Mike Tressel, not to say he was dodging questions about it, but he made me believe that he's going to blend the two. And as he said, he's got to mesh the elite. He's got to mesh what's great. I can't wait to see what this is going to look like. Because that 3-3-5, a lot of guys, they like to stack up linebackers right behind a defensive lineman so you can't tell exactly what gap they're going to fill or whatever and all that stuff with the X's and O's. But he laid his defense look a lot like a 3-4 at times by lining guys up on the defensive line. So will things actually look all that different for Wisconsin defensively with that quote-unquote 3-3-5? I'm not so sure. But I do wonder if they had the personnel to run the type of defense that Mike Trussell might want to run. 
guys that are a little bit more rangy, linebackers who can cover in space against the pass game. Not necessarily Wisconsin's bread and butter, but listen, when you got that type of culture there and you have still the type of athletes they have there, you're going to be a good defense, but you just don't want to see a trend downward going into this season. So Mike Trestle's got to kind of mesh the two together, build something that works and something that will last. That is what you need to watch this spring at Wisconsin. Well, that's going to do it for the College Football Daily today. Those were my big burning questions in the Big Ten as spring football practices get underway. For our producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Brendan Marcello. Much more on college football here on the College Football Daily. We'll see you down the road.